passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back on Post Wrestling for a special bonus show this week because the world here at Post Wrestling demands this man's presence. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man you know from the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. And we are now proud to announce that joining the Post family beginning this Sunday, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates are coming to Post, led by the man himself, Brother Nate Milton, who is with us today. Nate, how are you? What is going on, Brother Pollock? It is good to be with you. Uh, I fear that our good brother Wei Ting is probably still recovering from his visit uh, through the time stream watching Loki this week. But uh, it's all good, brother. I'm, I'm glad to be back with you, man, and, and, and chatting uh, about everything going on in this crazy world of pro wrestling. And also, like you said, to bring the good news to the people that the uh, Nubian Wrestling Advocates are now officially Team Post. Yeah, I think anyone that, um, you know, had heard, you know, that specific show that you've hosted in the past on Kings of Sport, or especially on our post podcast day, uh, I think everyone came away with it that this is uh, not only like a great show among the people involved, but I think it's uh, a very necessary show that, um, you know, me and Wei have wanted to incorporate here to post wrestling for quite some time. I wanted to go back, Nate, of just sort of the the origin of the Nubian wrestling advocates and and why you felt there there was a need for that specific show focusing on the subject matter that you guys go into regularly. Well, this was an idea that had been kind of kicking around for a couple of years, John, and I can't take all of the credit. In fact, I can't even take most of the credit because this was the idea of Chris from L.A., you know, the professor. Mm-hmm. And this was something that he had always wanted to talk about. Uh, he had read uh, this book, you know, called uh, uh, Pro Wrestling's Black Stars, which was basically like a who's who of black wrestlers over the years, uh, written by the late uh, Dr. Julian Shabazz. Yes. And it just kind of started with Chris wanting to do a show with me and him talking to Dr. Shabazz. And then out of that idea, he was like, you know, we could do more with this. And so, you know, we kind of kicked it around. And y- you know how it goes, John, when you're planning something. Like you, you make plans, but those plans never seem to come to fruition until it's the right time. And, and that right time was, you know, a couple of years ago when the ACH Jordan Miles t-shirt situation came about. Yes. And just how the wrestling, you know, world and, and the media, uh, in that world were talking about that issue. And a lot of the voices talking about Jordan Miles complaints didn't look like Jordan Miles. Mm-hmm. And so Chris was like, you know, I think this is our time. And so, you know, we kind of started it up over at the Kings of Sport Patreon. And, you know, people seemed to dig it, uh, at least the people that were listening at the time. And then when, you know, you approached me and uh, Andrew about post podcast day, we're like, what could we do? And then it just clicked. It's like, it would be cool if we could, you know, bring an episode of the NWA podcast to the larger post wrestling audience. And, that audience really received, uh, you know, what we were talking about that day. So, you know, it, it just kind of all fell into place after that, John. Have you found, I mean, especially among your friends w- within wrestling that, you know, over this this last year, it just seems like there have been so many stories uh, within wrestling and outside of wrestling that the outside world has somewhat permeated in. And these discussions mm-hmm. are happening a lot more, that there is more kind of critical thought to a lot of different elements of professional wrestling uh, that have extended from people's kind of wor- worldviews and happenings over the past year year or so. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mentioned Loki and the MCU earlier. And, you know, you can love a thing, but still be critical of that thing and still want the thing to be better. 
And so just in the same way that, you know, a film critic would look at a film and say, you know, this is great entertainment, but here are some things that you might want to think about. I feel like so many black wrestling fans and not just black wrestling fans, John, but, you know, Latino wrestling fans, Asian wrestling fans, LGBTQ wrestling fans, right? Like female wrestling fans, particularly when you talk about the speaking out movement. Like, I feel like this has been a moment over the past couple of years within pro wrestling where a lot of things that were just kind of accepted, you know, and it's kind of shrugged at people have lost the tolerance for that. And so I feel like one of the best ways to kind of fix these issues or, or, you know, get people to deal with these issues is to talk about it. And so that's kind of what the podcast is, John. It's just a conversation from folks that might have a different perspective about the same thing. You know, we're all watching the same thing, but somebody can see it through a different life experience lens. Well, and there's, I just find myself like I'm, I find like a lot of different stories that I might be navigating. There's often many times I will think about yourself and like you always seem to bring such an added perspective to, to many different uh, issues that are maybe just not being thought of. And I think that in a nutshell explains the whole process. It's not the idea of, you know, one fan base having a voice or not a voice. It is having that well-rounded discussion, I think from different viewpoints. And I think, you know, your example of the Jordan miles one. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you are somebody that has, I think, become an authority in this space that is going to be able to provide a viewpoint and and look at kind of the the historical ways of which, you know, minority performers have been presented in pro wrestling. And it's if you've grown up and that's the way you have just associated uh, pro wrestling, it does often get a pass just because it's always been this way, which mm. doesn't always mean that it just deserves a pass today when I think the the norms of wrestling are catching up to societal norms. Yeah. And that's why one of the favorite conversations that we've had, John, you, me and way, and there's been a lot of them, but one of the, my favorite conversations that we've ever had was during the run up uh, to WrestleMania with Kofi Kingston. Right. And just talking about that storyline and how, you know, if you just look at it on the surface from a non black perspective, like it's still a good story. But there's layers to it and there's levels to it that resonate even more if you have that life experience. And so which know, I was I was not coming at it like looking at mm -hmm. it the same way before that discussion with you. And that's I mean, that's a perfect example of it. It's like I am going to be watching something. But again, I'm I'm not going to necessarily have those similar experiences and viewing it in through the same lens that s someone like yourself is. Yeah, and, and so for me, like it's it's not about, you know not listening to a voice like yours or listening to a voice like Wade Keller or Dave Meltzer. Like, I feel like all of these voices are important, but also, you know, we, we need more black voices. We need more Latino voices, Asian voices, female voices, LGBTQ voices, because we all, you know, enjoy this thing to, to varying degrees. We all, you know, interact with this product and with this, with this business. And so to me, like, if you're only hearing like the straight white male perspective of this business, then you're limiting yourself to experiences that so many other people have with this thing. Do you think it's, do you think like that element uh, specific to, to wrestling is expanding that you are seeing more, more of those voices or is there still a long mm. way to go? I mean, we've, we've come, we've come a ways, John. And I look at the, you know, wrestling media the same way I look at sports media, you know, cause that's another world that I've, you know, operated in. And you see like progress is happening, but it takes time. And so, you know, that's why I always, you know, make a point to, and I know you don't want me to say it, but I always make a point to big up you and way, because there are a lot of people who have platforms that are not generous with the platforms. And so, you know, I could be doing my thing over on the Kings of Sport Patreon, but that's a limited scope of the people I can reach. Whereas with, you know, something like post, there's so many people from so many different walks of life that are tuning in to post wrestling. And with the NWA podcast being a part of it now, that's a, a lot more people that can hear my perspective or Chris's perspective or Andrew Thompson's perspective or, you know, people like that. And so, you know, when I hear Rich Fan on, on the torch or, you know, Cam on the torch and, and just seeing that this thing is getting more diverse, you know, when, when, mm -hmm. uh, we, when you guys have Kristen on, you know, I, I feel like, 
it's getting it's getting better, John. Like it's not where it needs to be, but I definitely think more people are aware that diversity, you know, is good when when you're covering things in media. Uh, completely agree. Um, it's it, it's interesting that you go back to like I, I found it so interesting. Um, just kind of staying on topic, but going a little off here to the the recent uh, Booker T. A&E biography. And of course, one mm. of the most scrutinized elements of that biography was the fact that WrestleMania 19 is omitted. And you had Booker T explain afterwards that, well, that was never going to be covered and <laughs> acknowledge the fact that uh, it was, you know, his most lucrative match he ever had. It was the biggest stage he had ever had a match on. I mean, it not the main event of that year's WrestleMania, but one of the heavily promoted matches. And yet here is something that 18 years ago was front and center. Our title program on Raw was built around this this racial buildup that they mm. they leaned upon. And today it doesn't even exist now through this A&E biography. And that shows you the where the WWE has kind of fallen on on their view of their own history. And I think like that is kind of fascinating in and of itself. The fact that that part does not make it into the Booker T story, which is, you know, not the be all end all of Booker T's career, but it's a chapter at the very least. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I get where Booker's coming from. You know, I get where, when Mark Henry was in the company, I get where he was coming from. Cause you know, you don't want to mess up the bag. And that's something that we talk about on this very first episode of the Nubian wrestling advocates, John, uh, one of the, Listeners sent us a question about Tony Atlas and the Samba Simba character. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talk about is, you know, that balancing act that so many performers of color have to wrestle with, no pun intended, where how much is my dignity worth, right? Like how much is my, my pride worth? And if you're a performer that doesn't have a lot of leverage, like I get why, you know, you're, you're going to be out here shucking and jiving on national TV, but the question that we pose on the show is I'm not so much looking at these performers and pointing the finger at them. I'm looking at who's writing these stories and who's creating these characters and whose lens is that filtered through. And ultimately it goes back to Vince McMahon. And so that's a question I don't think a lot of people ask John when they watch wrestling, you know, whether it's something racial or whether it's, you know, something as, as simple as, you know, Shayna Baszler stepping on a baby doll's head, right? Like, there's somebody writing these stories, and if we want better from our entertainment, then we we need to you know ask these questions. Certainly, I think that that's um, you know the, the the structure of it is is just as interesting. And I would say for performers as well. I mean, this is an industry where you know somebody that is whether it be uncomfortable with a story or presenting alternatives. It, like this is wrestling where somebody uh, voicing that and maybe providing an alternative or exp explaining like their hesitancy to do something that can be viewed in two ways. It can be viewed as, oh, here's someone that's very proactive and wants to be part of the process or mm -hmm. someone that becomes, quote unquote, difficult to work with. And suddenly like that becomes a, a stigma that I don't think any wrestler wants to cast upon themselves. And more often than not, it's I'm just going to do what is what is told of me. Yeah, just look at a guy like Leo Rush who just retired. Like, and and I'm not saying Leo was completely without fault, but the way that people reacted when you know he didn't want to carry people's water or carry people's bags or get people water, and you could say, okay, he's not being a team player or whatever, but that was looked upon as, oh, he's unprofessional. You know, he's a problem. He's a malcontent. And I feel like John, those kind of labels, you know, being difficult to work with, they often stick more to performers of color, particularly black, black women, hmm. I think get it the worst, you know, like she's difficult to work with or she's got an attitude problem. And, you know, it doesn't quite stick that way with the Caucasian performers, you know, and not, and it, everything is not like, I'm not speaking in absolutes, you know, there's degrees to every individual situation, but it is harder. And I think that that's something that we acknowledge on the program. Like there's, there's, there's a reason, man, why, we've only seen, but so many black top guys in the WWE. Uh, and, and, and it, like the WWE is, is not the only 
culprit here because we do talk about AEW. And as much as, you know, we enjoy AEW, John, like they are not without blaming the situation either. When you look at their main event scene, I make the joke on the show, like their main event scene looks like a, a, a bowl of rice on a paper plate with a glass of milk in the middle of a snowstorm. That's the consistency of the, their main event scene. And that's something they need to work on. When it comes to, um, you know, your kind of day-to-day interactions online, I'm curious as, as someone that, you know, speaks about a lot of these topics on your shows and, and goes beyond just professional wrestling. Um, like how, how is your kind of day-to-day social media experience like? Do you get a lot of backlash for talking about these? Do you, like, what, what's kind of that experience like? It's mostly positive, John. And I think, you know, it's it's in part because like the circles I kind of run in on social media there are filled with good people. Like, and and I'll, I'll shout out like the postmarks, man. Like in terms of wrestling communities, like I feel like you and and Way have done a great job kind of cultivating this atmosphere where people can have disagreements, people can have you know fun arguments, but it never gets to that level where you know people don't want to be a part of the community. Uh, so that's one thing, but also. I feel like most people know where I'm coming from, right? Like when I'm standing up for black and brown performers, you know, whether it's in wrestling or sports or, you know, TV shows, you know, I was a part of the Black Lightning podcast and that show just ended. And I had a lot of conversations about black representation in superhero media. So like when I talk about these things, it's not to diminish or downplay you know, white characters or white performers or white athletes. It's just saying that there's another perspective that often isn't getting told. And so most times, you know, when I interact with people on social media, John, they come, they come respectfully, you know, I, I, they, they come with the energy that I put out and I like to put out that, that energy that we're having a conversation and we might not see eye to eye, but that doesn't mean that we have to fight or hate each other. You know, we, we don't have to, be disagreeable just because we have a disagreement. Now there are a couple knuckleheads that, that, you know, do want to stir up stuff. And here's the thing, John, like at first I, like it depends. Like I'll try to talk to them, but if I see there's no getting through to them, you know, and they follow me, I'll just mute them because, you know, I, I could block them. I could, you know, get rid of them. But I look at it like this, John, like I'm not going to destroy my follower account just because you happen to be ignorant. Like why why hurt me because of your ignorance? <laughs> I like that. See, I I, I have always been a, a, a heavy uh, mute button advocate, <laughs> but I'll be honest. Uh, I, I think sometimes a block is in order. So mm. I, I kind of I, w- I want you to know that I have shut down the street, and you're going to have to find uh, a different pathway <laughs> to my timeline. Yes. So, um, you know, it's you know it to me w- one of my uh, I was very happy with the, with the show we did last year with you, me, Way, and Andrew Thompson, and this was mm-hmm. just after the uh, the George George Floyd murder, and it was really striking to me to hear kind of the reactions from yourself and Andrew, and just you know with, with Andrew, I mean, it was very clear um, how much he was affected by this, and you know you're looking at you know a, a different age bracket between yourself and Andrew and you. I mean, also, I mean deeply affected by it but at the same time like i got the sense that like you have you have lived through this many many times Mm. and looking at george floyd is not the first instance of this happening and probably would not be the last instance of it and it seemed like that that was that kind of tipping point for a lot of people At, at the same time i think there was still the well is is this going to be this magic moment that that changes society i don't think so Mm. And and that's why I love, you know, talking to Andrew and that's why he's, you know, going to be a part of this podcast, because, you know, when I talk about diversity, John, I'm not just talking about racial diversity or sexual diversity or, you know, diversity in terms of your sexual identity or orientation. I mean, you know, age groups, too, because my life experience while being a black man is similar to Andrew's. It's not the same, you know, because mm-hmm. he came up in a different time than I did. And so. Hearing. Like I feel like my generation and and Marcus's generation, we're we're a little bit weary because we we've seen it before. Like you know, you talk about will th- will this affect change? Like on the same week where Derek Chauvin was convicted for the murder of George Floyd, we had two or three other police killings, and so it's it's always that process of every time you make a step forward, 
there's always somebody trying to pull you back. And we see that, you know, politically, not to get too political, John, but we see no, we're, like, we're already there. <laughs> we're already there. <laughs> we see with like the, the way that one party in this country are trying to restrict voting rights, you know, and trying to take things back to a time before we made all this progress with civil rights. And so it's always something that goes on. Like one of my favorite quotes, and I tweet it all the time on all of my posts is, you know, from the Luke Cage show, where it's always forward, forward, always, where even if you have to keep fighting the same fight, you got to keep moving forward because, you know, the, my, like my parents and their parents, they kept the fight going. And, and so I got to keep the fight going for, you know, people like my nieces and people like Andrew, you know, they're they coming behind me. So that's another thing we're, we're going to talk about on the show, John, is, is just, how the attitudes of people in the world reflect in their entertainment and how, you know, I, f- I feel like there's stuff that we would have accepted as an audience, as a consumer base five years ago, 10 years ago, that we're not anymore because we're tired and we're tired of being, you know, caricaturized. I don't even know that's a word, but we're tired it is of being stereotyped. It is now. We're tired of being, you know, patronized to. We're tired of being talked down to. And that reflects in our entertainment as well. And so if, you know, there's an offensive thing on WWE or even on AEW or wherever, you know, we're going to talk about it because it's not enough just to, you know, speak within your group of friends. Like, yeah, that was kind of messed up. We've got to talk about it out in the open. And that's why I'm really glad that we've got this platform now with Post where we can reach even more people than we could back on the Patreon and and then invite them into the conversation as well cuz it's not a one-way street. You know, we we want to hear from our Caucasian brothers and sisters what they think about what we have to say because that's the only way you kind of start to understand is through having that conversation. I think like the, the goal of a show like this is hopefully for uh, an audience to listen to this um that their takeaway is I didn't think of it like that. Mm. And I think and that's, that, that's that is of kind coolest... of the, the goal of what you're going for, for an, uh, yeah, for people that maybe are not coming from like the same experiences. Like this is a mm. way to look at things through, through different viewpoints. And that t- to me personally is always um, that I'm most curious of because I'm coming from it at one perspective and that's the only perspective I can come at it from. And the more uh, perspectives you have, I think that that gives you such a more, educated and well-rounded view of how mm. a story or a character is landing with with people beyond yourself. Yeah, and and that's one of the coolest things that I've experienced John through, you know, working with you guys whether it's post or whether it was the law before that where listeners from all over whether they're in the UK or, you know, in Canada or, you know, in 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 you know, South America wherever, you know, listeners will write me and say, you know, I I haven't had a lot of interactions with black people and hearing you talk about these things on these shows opens my eyes to things. And, you know, like, like I said, like I'm, I'm just a regular guy, John Pollock, but I do have a different set of life experiences. And the fact that we all can watch this same thing, but take the different things away from it, I think is part of the beauty of diversity, right? It's not one way is better than the other. It's everything works together. And so that's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. You know, the the more we kind of find, because you know the show's going to be different. You know, I will say that the show is going to be a little bit different than it was on the Kings of Sport Patreon, and so there will probably be an adjustment period where we find out what this new version of the NWA podcast is. But I'm excited to see where we kind of land and, and, you know, the people that we talk to and, you know, just kind of the conversation that gets started because of this. Yes, of course, the uh, post-podcast day did feature uh, the elusive Moderna Chris as well. <laughs> yes, the, 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 like we made a main event star in one week, John Pollock. Like something Vince has been trying to do for years. We made a main eventer with Moderna Chris, who was fueled by uh, COVID vaccine and Hennessy gummy worms. And uh, so, yeah, like I, I think that's also something that is cool because Chris, Andrew, and I, are all black men. And you can look at us on the surface. We're all black men. We're all wrestling fans. So we're, we're, we should have, the, you know, this, a similar idea. But no, like we've all got different life experiences and we, you know, we're not a monolith. And so I, I'm excited for the conversations and, and I, I, like, I'm excited for more of the post audience to get to know Chris because I feel like they, they know me pretty well, John. And I feel like they've heard Chris from time to time. But 
you have not heard Chris Ely until you get him to talk about politics, race, and wrestling on the same same show. And that's where I feel like you get the full effect, the full flavor of the professor. And so it's it's going to be fun, man. Yes, the full the full Chris uh, coming to <laughs> postwrestling.com. Uh, a story that I mean we didn't get to discuss much last week because it happened on a day when, you know, with, with dynamite airing on Friday, we didn't do rewind to dynamite last Wednesday. And then you had all of the WWE cuts. So this one kind of, um, I didn't get to talk about, but I was, I wanted to run by you as well. And that was WWE's hiring of Jamie Horowitz, who people might not be familiar with the name, but this was someone who was a high ranking VP at ESPN, um, pretty much literally had a cup of coffee at the Today Show and then went to Fox, where he stayed until the summer of 2017 and was let go after a series of sexual harassment allegations that the company looked into and and let him go. And this is someone that was very much at the forefront of popularizing the uh, the, the current formats that you see on shows like First Take uh, and that have made superstars out of the likes of Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. Mm. And he is coming into the WWE as its uh, executive VP of development and digital and is also overseeing uh, the WWE studios uh, out of Los Angeles. Uh, is Jamie Horowitz a name that is on your radar, Nate, that you are familiar with? I've heard the name, but, you know, he is very much like, you know, somebody like a John Skipper, former president of ESPN, you know, names that you hear and you know their positions, but you don't have any connection to them because you're connected to their product, you know, right. the people on the screen. And so, yeah, I, I, I've heard the name, but I'm interested in what this means for WWE because I feel like they're they're in this weird place. And maybe they've always been in this weird place, John, where they want the best of both worlds. They want respectability in the real world, in the sports world, but they also want to be pro wrestling. You know, they want to be sports entertainment. And so, like, I don't know if this move is a good move or if it's just a, another lateral move in a series of lateral moves. Well, it certainly seems like there are, you know, a, like, a move into, you know, the space that, like, we are front and center going to be a content-creating monster. And... Mm -hmm you know, putting a lot of, you know, people with notable resumes into these key positions, um, first and foremost being Nick Khan, who came on last year. What was most kind of interesting was the fact that like Jamie Horowitz, you know, he, after he left amidst those allegations in the summer of 2017, he went to DAZN uh, and then comes to WWE. Uh, but this, this did not receive really any kind of blowback and i just i can't help but imagine that if if we were talking about any of the performers that were yes. at the forefront of these allegations i think i mean look no further than i mean marty Skrull didn't even get on to screen on new japan strong and the backlash was such that they dropped it completely uh it just seems like for someone that is maybe not a front-facing figure like a jamie horowitz that it, it didn't really strike any kind of outrage among people. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of weird. And I think it is because of the anonymity of being behind the scenes, you know, and, and this is, you know, I want to make clear, John, that like I'm not excusing the actions of the alleged actions of uh, Velveteen Dream or Matt Riddle in, in any way, but it's like people are still talking about that. Whereas we've got somebody in the actual position of power, you know, not the Dream or, or, or Riddle didn't have some power, didn't have some leverage in the world, but this this is somebody with legit power and nobody's saying anything about it. And I I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's almost bad to say, John, but I don't know if people just lose their appetite for fights like this, you know, and, and it's hard to keep that momentum going, you know, because I remember last year when, you know, getting back to George Floyd and, and Black Lives Matter, like how passionate people were and not just black people, but everybody was so engaged and now that enthusiasm that that commitment that passion has waned and so i wonder if it's that combination of people are just kind of weary and tired of of continuing to speak out and also like this is just for a lot of people a nameless faceless corporate suit yeah and i mean for for those like unfamiliar with the story like he was he was let go by Fox and, you know, his his representation, I mean, 
you know, denied and said that they would, you know, vigorously defend uh, any slanderous accusations. Uh, but Eric Shanks, who is the is the uh, the head of Fox Sports, uh, said that you know publicly that we are confident in this decision. Like it was a pretty pretty steadfast stance that Fox Sports took from this. And I mean, you look at at, at things is like I I don't think anyone wants to be in a in a society where someone cannot rehabilitate themselves. But I think at right. the very least, though, those questions need to be asked. And to your point, like this is not someone that is just coming in for some low-level position. This is someone that is coming to oversee divisions and have people working under them. Like this is this is a very significant role that this individual is coming to take. And I think at the very least, that deserves you know some kind of uh, questions of what has – gone on over four years that makes this company confident that you are bringing in a positive influence Mm -hmm. into your work environment and not a negative one. And then that's part of our job. I'll say, you know, I'll I'll speak for you, John. Like, I feel like that's kind of part of if we're involved in this space of, you know, wrestling media and especially with you and uh, Way and Andrew, like wrestling journalism, like these are questions like that need to be asked. And, and, the audience might not want these questions to be asked. They might not care about these questions, but I do feel like we have an obligation. You know, if, if we're going to talk about the fun stuff, if we're going to talk about, you know, stuff that's not even fun, like Monday Night Raw, but it's entertaining, like we do need to kind of talk about the real world ramifications and the real world actions of this company that we spend so much time kind of focusing on. Uh, we're going to wrap up with just uh, a few news items here uh, because we have been talking about the Nubian wrestling advocates, and I wanted to talk about the other NWA and not the rap group, but instead <laughs> the wrestling company that is coming back uh, with two pay-per-views at the end of August, August 28th and 29th. They're going to be doing a all-women's show on Saturday, August 28th, which they unveiled Mickey James as its executive producer, followed by its 73rd anniversary show on August 29th. And something really cool is that they're going to be doing the shows from St. Louis at the Chase Plaza Hotel, which was the the home of St. Louis Wrestling, wrestling at the Chase uh, for decades. So I thought a really cool location decision. And I guess, Nate, as we look now, like NWA was pre-pandemic uh, – it found like its spot within the wrestling world. And Mm -hmm. I think since moving from YouTube to fight, I think it's, I think they were harmed greatly by the pandemic and their return. I think it's tough when you're asking people to pay for your product. And I mean, that goes to, I think I've talked about this before is kind of the balancing act of how to best utilize YouTube. You're probably going to be leaving a lot on the table because YouTube is going to have so much, um, you know, you're you're going to be giving up a lot, whereas fight, it's probably a much more advantageous deal, but you're also taking yourself off of the primary stage that I think a lot of your audience was consuming the NWA through. So as we look several months since their return, they're coming off this pay-per-view. I mean, wh- where do you see the NWA? I got to say, man, like I I am low-key impressed with the NWA, and I'm not speaking of the, either the Norse God or the uh, deep-voiced uh former impact performer. <laughs> like, I'm low key impressed, man. Like you said, like the one, two punch of kind of dealing with the pandemic and having to shut down for a bit. And also, you know, the uh, resignation of Dave Lagana, right? Like they, there was a production hole of that, mm-hmm. that, that was opened up in that company. And the fact that, you know, they were able to kind of get back on their feet and, you know, speaking of diversity, I kind of think like, Nobody, like I don't want to say nobody's watching, but it certainly doesn't have the eyes of WWE or AEW. But low key, there's that word again. This is a very diverse roster, man. Like I like what they put together. Like I, I think this all women's show is going to be a, a very, very unexpected hit. You know, I, I think that it's something that that we got a taste of when the WWE did the evolution pay-per-view and that never came back. And so for this to happen and for Mickey to be a part of this, cause I, I think that's something that is not often a, a utilized resource is a lot of these veteran women, whether you're talking about a Mickey James or a jazz or somebody like Lufisto, like there's so many veteran female performers that could be used to 
build up a lot of these promotions. And so I think that's going to be cool. I think the wrestling at the chase thing is like a, a tip of the cap for all the old heads out there. So I, I feel like they're, they're getting their footing back, John, and they're kind of finding their lane, you know, uh, much like the NWA podcast, the NWA promotion has a lane, right? Like it's not going to be for everybody, but I think the people that dig it and latch onto it are really going to enjoy it. We also have the In Your House uh, takeover coming up this Sunday. They've announced the uh, the full card now where we have five matches. We've got the uh, the five-way on top of the NXT Championship, Karrion Cross, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne. A ladder match for the Million Dollar Championship between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon for the Women's Championship, and a six-man winner-take-all match with Bronson Reed putting up the North American title and tag champions MSK defending against all three members of Legato del Fantasma. And I, I feel that this is it's it's an interesting card on paper. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like the most stunning uh, takeover uh, going into it. But I mean, takeovers by and large are very well received shows. And you know, it's it's a show that seems to be in still a bit of transition from coming off of this head-to-head era with AEW that I I do think did damage NXT in, in some ways from being the cool alternative product to mm-hmm. a show that I think kind of, I don't want to say lost its way, but I think they're, they haven't quite found their way back. So in a roundabout way, I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. But <laughs> I mean, you look at some of the additions here, like MSK, I think has been a breath of fresh air on NXT. I think they have come yeah. in and, um, you know, they've, they've had some, some great outings. I think that Hit Row has been a complete success. Something very different from the, mm-hmm. the typical rollout of new acts in WWE. There, there's a lot to like about NXT, and I think having their own night, it's it's not going to be an immediate uh, transformation. But I, I do feel that that is uh, a positive long term for them to be away from that competition. I mean, takeovers are always good, John, like to varying degrees. Like we know we're going to get good wrestling. You know, it's it's almost a given at this point. Uh, you know, takeovers are, takeovers are like pizza. Even when pizza is cold, it's still good. Uh, but I'm just not connected to the stories right now. And this is in spite of the fact that MSK has come in and done such a great job, in spite of the fact that I really kind of enjoy what they're doing with Hit Row, and I hope they never go to the main roster, which is a terrible thing to say about these performers. But we've seen what happens on the main roster. Just look at the Hurt Business and what they did with that group. Uh, and, and I could see a similar situation uh, with Hit Row. Uh, you know, I, I love Raquel Gonzalez. I think Mercedes Martinez has been so good for so long. She's another veteran female performer that I, I don't think quite gets her due. But, you know, I'll watch it, John. <laughs> but I'm not like – I'm not – setting my clock for this right i'm this is not appointment viewing for me if i catch it uh, this weekend cool if i you know miss it and end up watching it you know next next tuesday afternoon it's not a big deal because i'm just not connected with nxt right now and i do feel like that head-to-head even though they did the job of siphoning off viewers from aw they took some damage too and i think that damage was to their reputation to their mystique as like you said, like they were the hip brand. They were they were the WWE that you could watch and feel good about. And while the wrestling is still good, the performers are still working hard, it just doesn't have that mystique anymore. What are you watching? What is kind of um must see on a weekly basis for you? Right now it's it's mainly Dynamite and SmackDown. You know, I'll I'll watch a little bit of Raw when I'm flipping through the channels and you know, now more so than ever because Black Lightning's not on anymore on Monday night. So I've got more time to, you know, fully commit, John, because I've been told by people on social media that I'm just not understanding the the deepness and the complexities of this Alexa Bliss storyline. So now I've got more time on my hands if I choose to to get into uh, what's going on with Alexa. But it's mainly Dynamite and uh, SmackDown because I feel like those are the shows that A, are two hours instead of three, and B, I'm connected to the characters. You know, like, whether you're talking about Darby and Sting, of course, or, or you know, the stuff going on with, with Moxley and, and Kingston and Kenny and the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle, like, that's all good stuff to me. And then on SmackDown, like, Roman Reigns has continued to be 
just this awesome, pleasant surprise. And so those are the shows that, you know, they're not perfect shows from start to finish, John, as you and Wade know from covering them. But those are the shows that gen- generally have my interest right now. You got to give uh you got to give Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler some time. I mean, <laughs> where we can really deep into uh, go deep into what does Lily represent? Is it mm. Shayna's repressed childhood that she did not get to live to her fullest and that the doll in the mirror was indicative of this part of her life that is constantly looking over adult Shayna Baszler's shoulder and has been an albatross that she now has to confront. <laughs> uh, These are the honestly, complexities John, of Raw. At this point, I would just say take one week, take one full week. And just do the like use all three hours and tell this Shayna story, tell this Alexa story, tell this Fiend story, because he's obviously gonna come back around at some point. Tell it in one long three hour movie and let's just be done with it. And and let these people move on to something better. Final uh final final few questions here. Any uh any of the recent uh during uh what has been I will dub documentary season in pro wrestling, are there any that have uh stood out for you among the rest? Mm. I, I like and like I use like in quotations. <laughs> I like Dark Side of the Ring. There's some that I just can't watch, you know, just because I feel like I know the stories, but I also feel like my current level of knowledge with some of these stories, you know, particularly like uh, going back to last season with uh, Benoit, like I don't need new information on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't need that kind of atmosphere around my spirit and that's just for me personally like if anybody else enjoyed or, or, or watched those episodes that's that's fine but just for me like i can't watch all of them but i did you know of course like the new jack one and and, and uh you know uh some of those that I've, I've enjoyed i i watched the booker t doc and i was i was very underwhelmed you know i thought for for an A and E documentary, it's fine because that's what A and E documentaries are. But for this to kind of be the be all end all of this dude's life, it just didn't hit for me. Uh, particularly as somebody who's listened to Booker T uh, talk about his life and about his story, it just didn't work for me. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited, John, to see where we kind of go with this because I, I think there's an appetite that we've seen whether you're talking about Dark Side of the Ring or, or uh, with the A&E stuff or, you know, even with our, our brother Damien's uh, wrestlers program. Like, there's an appetite for stuff like this, and I wonder who's going to be the company, like, right, not like, you know, these networks. Who's going to be the company that capitalizes on that? And you'd have to think the WWE would be in position for that because they own everything in terms of the history of this business. But, I like, I don't know what people's trust level is <laughs> to, for lack of a better term with these WWE productions. Well, yeah, I think that the A&E biographies, I mean, you can kind of see the template and this is going to be, um, to me, it's just the appetite of this upcoming, you know, multi episode series on Vince McMahon that WWE is going to obviously be involved with in addition to like Bill Simmons as its executive producer, but that will be um, kind of what this is all uh, building towards and I'm just curious to see if the strategy is you know I think everyone looks at the the digital content that WWE has put out on the network for years mm-hmm. as some of its strongest stuff but it's going to in all fairness like it's a very limited amount of people that are watching all of these 365s and different 24s the idea that should we scale this down and we outsource it with our involvement? We have the stories, we have the subject mm-hmm. matter, but we sell it out to networks that are looking for biographical uh, documentary footage and episodes. And instead of putting it in house on Peacock, you know, we're getting our money for Peacock and we separate, we separate this space with outside deals with your A and E's and such that, you know, these, the, the numbers were, good for these A&E biographies. It would not surprise me at all if we get another run of them, but if they kind of look at the the documentary um, genre as something that we're going to sell outside instead of just keep it in-house. Everybody wants their last dance, John. You know, you came on the Kings of Sport last year, and we talked about that Michael Jordan documentary. Everybody wants that. You know, we've got a Tom Brady nine, ten-part documentary coming up that I'm sure is going to be boring and bland. You know, we got this Vince McMahon series that's going to come out, and I'm sure it's going to be less than factual, you know? But 
I don't know if people are going to get that return on the investment that we did with Jordan because the Jordan doc, not only was it about this team that still had all of this cultural resonance and significance, but it was right at the time where we were running out of things to watch, you know, during the first wave of the pandemic. And it just was the perfect content at the perfect time. Whereas, sure, I'm sure people will watch this Tom Brady thing. I'm sure people will watch this Vince McMahon thing. But I doubt it'll have that same kind of impact that The Last Dance did. And what do I have in store for the remainder of The Wire? I'm on. I'm I'm getting down to The Wire. <laughs> I'm almost done season four. G- oh, g- wa- give, me, give me a preview of season five. Oh, The Wire, man. It's so, so. Uh, all I'm going to say, John, is if you come at the king. You best not miss. Like, oh my goodness. Oh, the wire is so good, man. And I, I feel like there was, there was this time period where we had Oz, we had the wire and we had a uh, homicide life on the streets, which is a show. Not a lot of people give props to but It was always one of my favorites. And you know, it's got the same Baltimore grittiness as the wire does. So I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to spoil you, spoil anything for you, John Pollock. I'm just going to say uh, like, the Wire has earned the reputation that it has amongst you know, uh, TV critics. You know, all, all praise for, you know, your Stringer Bells, your Marlows. <laughs> but as I get deeper into this Avon. Series, Avon, I mean, this series for me, it kind of begins and ends with Snoop. And then there's everyone else. <laughs> One of the greatest characters in television history is all I will say. Yeah, The Wire, if if you haven't watched The Wire, if you're listening and you haven't watched The Wire, I know it's one of those shows that people tell you, like, you got to watch The Wire. And yes, you know, you, you might not believe them, but believe them because it is so good. And like we're still like at the tail end of the pandemic, but we're still in the pandemic. So, you know, if you got some free time, now would be a good time to start The Wire before things get back to normal or some sense of normal. <laughs> and why not add the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, Mm. to your must-listen-to list every single month here at PostWrestling.com. It kicks off this Sunday, and give us a tease, Nate. What can we expect on the the first show of the new era? Are you going to come out at the beginning of the show and strip everyone of their titles, and suddenly you're going to be assembling uh, the new blood, and we'll have an impromptu feud with the Millionaire's Club? What what is going to happen on this, this new era? Well, I mean, now you're you're spoiling things, John Pollock, because that's exactly what we do in the first episode of the NWA podcast on post wrestling. I'd come out and listen, bro. We, you know, we we got the the Millionaires Club, and you know, we're we're starting this feud with uh, you know, uh, Davey and Braden for some reason, and so it's all connected. But no, uh, I, I promise there are no <laughs> members of the Millionaires Club at post wrestling, but we can hope <laughs> someday, John. Put it out there. Put it out there. Uh, but I think that people are going to really enjoy this first episode because what we do is, you know, we've kind of reformatted it because we also on the old show on the Patreon, like we could go for hours and hours. But, you know, we're trying to keep things in that 60 to 90 minute range here on post. And so we've got a few categories. You know, we talk about just kind of the current state of uh, BIPOC performers in the wrestling world. We talk about, you know, uh, just kind of our experiences as wrestling fans and uh you know we we play a fun little game uh which i think people will enjoy uh where we take various influential figures in the wrestling world and decide if they're going to get invited to the nwa podcast cookout uh and spoiler alert terry balea is not invited um and so it's a lot of lot of uh, fun, but it's also a lot of good deep conversations. We answer a bit of uh, listener feedback. We did get a piece of feedback, uh, so we answered that on the show. And uh, we've got some great guests. You know, our first guests on the show uh, joining me and Chris and uh, Andrew, who's you know doing our news segment on the program. We have Rich Fan from uh, Pro Wrestling Torch and Sister Maria from the Sisters with Sabres podcast, who was supposed to join us for post-podcast day, but unfortunately had a scheduling conflict. So she is making her official uh, debut. Like we, like she's Eva Marie. We've just done a series of vignettes with her, but now she's getting to make her debut, John. Well, the NWA Lucian begins on <laughs> Sunday. It'll be a monthly show here at postwrestling.com. Uh, 
All of us are looking forward to it. So catch it this Sunday. Nate, it's always a pleasure to uh, catch yes. up with you and chat. Oh, real, real quick, John, because I, I did want to make sure we, we got this point out. Because I know while a lot of people are probably going to be excited for this show, there's probably some people who are going to feel like disappointed that we're hitting the pause button on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show. Right. Uh, and so I just wanted to let, let them know, like, the show is not over. You know, Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show, we're just kind of taking a break because – Honestly, it just got a little labor intensive, you know, with booking guests and all that, you know, in the middle of these uncertain times. And so, yeah, like I still love that show. I still love talking about Dwayne Johnson and these movies. And, you know, so that show is not done. It's just going on hiatus. And, you know, who knows? From time to time, we might pop in with a periodic episode. But for the time being going forward, you know, our focus is on the Nubian wrestling advocates. And, uh, you know, we hope you guys enjoy uh, you know, the ride we're going to take you on. Give this man a follow on Twitter and the number eight M O Z A I K. And uh, quickly, Nate, just some of the, uh, the other shows that people can uh, check out, including the, the very popular Kings of Sport, one of my favorites. Yes, thank you. Thank you, brother. You can check out the Kings of Sport, myself and Marcus Vandenberg. Been doing the show since 2013. John and Way have been on the show numerous times, normally around our anniversary uh and now all these archives are popping up in my feed <laughs> from eight years ago. Yes. Now we've got, uh, you know, on the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Uh, you can sign up. Five bucks gets you in the door. If you want to pay more, we won't stop you. But what we've been doing recently is going back to the beginning because we realized that all of our old episodes are on Podbean and like Podbean might not always be there, John. And so we're starting to catalog our old episodes going back to the very first episode from uh, March of 2013. We're putting those on the Patreon so you can kind of hear how the show got started with myself, Marcus, and the uh, the wayward soul. I almost said the black sheep of the family, but that's a terrible pun. The wayward soul of the podcast, Big Nasty Alfred Cunnawell. So you can check that out on the Kings of Sport Patreon. Uh, you can also check out uh, the Black Lightning podcast. Our final episode is coming out this week where we, you know, give our thoughts about that show ending and we interview one of the cast members from Black Lightning. So you can check that out over at the DCTV podcast network. Uh, of course, I've got the main event podcast over at Place to Be Nation. You can still check out the archives of the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show here on Post. I uh, got a lot going on, but as, as John said, uh, you know, if, if you want to follow me, if, you know, give us feedback on the new show. Uh, find me on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K. So uh, that's as you can find me. It's always nice talking to you, brother Pollock. Uh, you know, miss brother Ting, but uh, it's always a good time talking to you and and to the audience. Remember, Nubian eyes are watching now more so than ever because the advocates are on their way. <laughs>